0: Hi, everybody. My name is Hafa Lombardino, and this is Translation Confessional. Before we continue, I wanted to tell you about Better World Books. It's a great website to search for new and used books in several categories. You can find textbooks about translation, interpretation, and languages as well as translated and original fiction and non-fiction. Some deals qualify for free shipping, which can really come in handy when you're on a budget. If you'd like to check out Better World Books, go to this webpage, bit.ly slash tc bwb. It's easy to remember. TC for Translation Confessional and BWB for Better World Books. Once again, the webpage is BIT slash tc bwb Hope you like it. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling. Today, I wanted to talk about my experiences teaching Introduction to Subtitling as part of the Professional Certificate in Translation offered by the University of California, San Diego Extension. After teaching this class for the past 18 months, I can now comfortably paint a good picture of what it's been like assisting students who are already experienced translators and interpreters as they pivot into subtiling and adapt their current language skills. I started developing the class in mid-2019, and it finally premiered during the spring quarter of 2020, so right at the beginning of the global pandemic and at a time when many people in the translation and interpretation field were looking for remote learning opportunities to diversify their services. Right during our very first quarter, I noticed a trend. Experienced interpreters struggled at first when it came to exercising their power of concision, since they are so used to making sure every single word or concept someone said goes through in the target language. Considering that, my students who are interpreters had to learn how to paraphrase, turn a sentence around, and be creative when working with subtitles. The other thing I noticed was that due to bad quality control, or lack thereof entirely, we have been consuming subtitles that don't fit the general standards. Because of that, it's harder to learn more about the technical aspects of subtitling while watching subtitled content. I'm not even talking about controversial subtitling like the Korean hit series Squid Game which I addressed a couple of weeks ago in Season 2, Episode 35. The kind of quality control I'm talking about doesn't even go into the merits of whether the subtitles were translated correctly and could flow well. Instead, the issue I see is that many of us have been consuming subtitles on YouTube videos that are mostly subtitled by amateurs, or, worse yet, by artificial intelligence thus being based on voice recognition alone without any human supervision. That's how we get those long subtitles that are synced to the pauses the speaker makes, instead of actually following a natural reading pattern that preserves text units, breaks sentences in all the right places, and have a good ratio between the two lines with either up to 36 or 42 characters per line. There are also phone apps, like TikTok or Instagram, with a large library of stories and reels that record videos in portrait mode, that is, vertical, instead of landscape mode, which maximizes the horizontal space on a widescreen. Those videos are even more challenging when it comes to subtitles because you'd have to follow a different standard with up to 24 characters per line, which makes subtitles flash on the screen really fast. Keep in mind that the reading speed is crucial to viewers who rely on subtitles to understand the contents of a video, whether because they don't speak the original language the video is in, or because they're watching it on mute, or are hard of hearing or deaf. According to standards, we should use up to 17 characters per second on children's content so they can read subtitles comfortably, and up to 21 characters per second for adults. On those vertical videos, the characters per second count is so high that we can barely read anything. Blink, and you missed an entire subtitle. Considering the high number of videos being recorded and put out there in the world, the technology that uses voice recognition and adds subtitles automatically, and the lack of quality control on them, because not all videos are meant for prime time consumption, of course you have to be very selective about the content you're viewing when it comes to learning about subtitles by actually watching subtitled content. So, I use the concept of text units to explain to students how the decision-making process works when they must break lines in a way that will not make it harder for viewers to consume the content and understand the message. We have some challenging exercises, and practicing line breaking with actual videos is pretty rough at first, but I've been seeing great improvement in my students' work as we progress through the class. Now, after the break, I'll go into more detail on how the class is structured in case you've been thinking about adapting your current translation and interpretation skills and becoming a subtitler in the near future. What is the most fundamental tool translators have? Yes, our language. And we must be the grammar and spelling police, not only when we're working on a project, but also when we're communicating with clients or interacting with peers online. We must use our language as well at all times. With that in mind, one tool I've been using for a while now, and I do use it constantly, is Grammarly. I've activated it on my email, so I don't make any mistakes when sending a message to a client. I also have it available to me in Google Drive, so I can use it when reviewing my students' translations into English or when I'm writing my own articles and brainstorming podcast episodes. And because I do translate into English very often, the premium version helps me keep my last draft sharp and ready for delivery. If you'd like to try out the world's best automated proofreader, visit bit.ly.com. Slash T C grammar. It's easy to remember. TC stands for translation confessional followed by grammar. Once again, you can visit grammarly at bit.ly dot L Y slash T C dash G-R-A-M-M-A-R. Keep your English sharp. Though my introduction to subtitling class is part of the professional certificate in English and Spanish translation offered by the University of California San Diego Extension, and most of my students work with English and Spanish, my classes are actually language neutral, and students can take them independently from the rest of the certificate program. It's also 100% online and asynchronous, which means that we can work with students in different time zones and nobody needs to log in at 2 a.m. to watch a live session. Students can then watch the lectures and go through the learning materials at their own pace. It's a six-week class, so each week there's a new content made available to students. As long as they work on each week between Monday and Sunday and deliver their homework by that same Sunday, they get graded the following week and receive feedback on what they need to improve and adjust moving forward. Having said that, I've had students who translated into French and Arabic, and while I cannot give them any feedback on how accurate their translations are because I cannot read their target language, we do work with a lot of source materials in English. So they get to transcribe the original audio and practice timing. That is, setting the start and end times of each subtitle to synchronize them to the audio. And they do a lot of training in line breaks to review the theoretical concepts we learn at the beginning of the class. Actually, the way that we structure the class, we have two weeks of theory when the bulk of information is presented to students as far as the technical aspects are concerned. During those two weeks, we obviously don't get to work with any kind of software, app, or platform that is specifically used for subtitling. But we do practice with scripts in a Word document and an Excel spreadsheet to help students break lines and respect the character limit per line. Once the students have a better idea of the mechanics of subtitling, it's time to get more hands-on practice and learn how to set start and end times, and actually work with video content. So during weeks three and four, we learn about Dotsub, which is a collaborative online platform and the first one I got to use back in the mid-2000s when one of my translation clients needed a couple of commercials subtitled. Students are then assigned a video, and they must first work on the English subtitles while transcribing the original audio in English, thus creating a template for their translations into their target language. They enjoy the fact that DotSub uses keyboard shortcuts to set start and end times, as well as to rewind and fast forward, which makes it easier to work with the video. They also like the fact that they can keep an eye out on the length of each line because of the character counter available to them. So they get to practice on DotSub during week 3, and then take their first exam using this platform during week 4. Still, during these first two weeks when they get to practice, students get their first reality check, because they realize that subtitling is actually a time-consuming process. That is, a five-minute video won't get subtitled in the original and then translated into another language in that short amount of time. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic shoes at Ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. For the last two weeks of class, we switch things around to get some hands-on practice in YouTube Studio. Students get to see what's different about this other online subtitling platform because YouTube doesn't have a character counter or as many keyboard shortcuts, but it does have an area where you can see the audio waves and get a better visual representation of when the audio starts and ends throughout the video. Because of that option, they get to slide subtitle boxes left and right to adjust the timing, which is something that comes in handy. They can also play around with voice recognition and practice how to edit the audio transcription instead of typing everything from scratch if they don't want to do it. Still, there's a lot of work involved in synchronizing the machine-generated subtitles with the audio and making decisions on how to break lines and provide the audience with a comfortable viewing experience. And just like they did with the first subtitle tool, they get to practice on YouTube Studio during week 5, and take their final exam using this platform during week 6. Some students like .sub better. Others prefer YouTube Studio, depending on the features that appeal to them the most. I tell them about the more sophisticated software and online interfaces out there that combine the best of what they've seen in each of these stripped-down platforms. So, once they get that first introduction to subtitling, They can develop their skills and pursue more advanced opportunities in the real world. I'm actually working on putting together an advanced skills for subtitlers class, which would be offered by the University of California San Diego Extension in the near future. That way, we can study more complicated technical aspects, such as shot changes and frame counting. But that's really advanced stuff and newcomers must first get the basics to gradually climb that steep learning curve. Have you ever thought about working with subtitles? Did you watch any webinars or take any classes? Which subtitling programs or platforms have you tried so far? Let me know, because I love to hear how your experience has been different from that of my students. Also, check this episode's description for some links to recorded webinars you can check out to familiarize yourself with the technical aspects of subtitling, as well as how .sub and YouTube Studio work. And if you're interested in taking my class at UCSD Extension, I hope to see you in a future quarter!